0: The old stomping ground, larry
1: i know it feels strange tom i can hear music i can see you in person uh there's a bar over there there's a finished alcoholic beverage in front of you strange viewing
0: it's nice not having a sort of a camera in front of you
1: yeah no one has to look at us which is probably um, a benefit i suppose but Uh, Like you say, it's the old stomping ground and we thought, you know what, we're at the pub anyway. We've decided to meet up. First time I've seen you since we're in Melbourne, funnily enough. Since you gave me COVID. Since I gave you COVID. You know what, I am convinced I gave everyone COVID (laughs) now and I can say that because a few months has passed, but uh, it's nice to be here in person and we just thought, you know what, let's do a bit of a tribute to our, our stomping grounds, our roots, and that's being in a pub with a mobile phone in hand and just record us talking about Manchester United.
0: No, it's exactly what it is. We're we'll just having a discussion about the podcast. We're just actually waiting for the kitchen to open, so we have about half an hour to kill. So we obviously got discussing Manchester United, and it was one of those things we sort of look back at. Sort of okay, we started here in a pub, sort of doing the podcast. We've moved over to YouTube um, since COVID sort of arrived, and that's been fantastic. We're truly enjoying that, but we just thought we might as well just maybe. Put something back on the podcast app, but I'm sure everyone does know all our match reviews still go up on the podcast app. So, um, something a little bit bonus for our original listeners. Um, so, hopefully, you appreciate this. And we're just discussing Marcus Rashford and all things Eric Ten Hag. So, we thought we'd just put this out as a little bit of bonus content. So, hopefully, you enjoy it. Um, make sure you do share and make sure if you aren't following us on YouTube, um, go head over to United Pubcast on YouTube. that would be fantastic. But, Larry, we're just discussing then Marcus Rashford and Eric Ten Hag. Mm. What on earth is happening? Because it has the potential, we think, to be absolutely brilliant. Like Marcus Rashford could hit the ground running, could be this Manchester United number nine who goes on to be a club legend. And he might do regardless of what happens, but it has potential to do that, to skyrocket. But I think in every fan's mind there's also that hesitation. They're just holding you back thinking, Oh, is he good enough? Is he the actual the striker? Is he a left winger? Does Ten Hag really like him? It's an interesting sort of situation developing between the two.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I- I was just saying to you, I think Rashford is a really interesting one. His United career is dead set at a crossroads, I think, um, and that's obvious to see. I mean, he was hooked in the Manchester derby, and I don't want to read too much into that game because was he subbed in that? Oh, I've tried to wipe. I've tried oh, to wipe that match. from Martial memory. came on for okay. him, and uh, I look. I, I don't want to read too much into that game because I promise you, Manchester City will do that to other top sides this season because they're, they're capable of absolute brilliance. Manchester City, um, but what I will say on Rashford is. If this report is true on Ten Hag telling the club to hold off on renewing contracts, yeah. he's one of those players who's got a year left on his deal. Uh, and if United don't trigger that option, there's a valid conversation to say, does Marcus Rashford, Marcus Rashford, English cover boy, MBE, charitable works, local lad. There's all, so many things that... We'll, we'll just have a discussion the
0: then about, and we're going to have two different sides of this coin in regards to Marcus Rashford, the, the asset and sort of the brand and the, the person, obviously, and then obviously the footballer. But in regards to sort of weighing both those sort of situations up, what do you do with a Marcus Rashford? Let's say you're not completely sold on Marcus Rashford, you're negotiating John Murcher or Darren Fletcher, you're not completely sold on Marcus Rashford and you sort of Eric Ten Hag's 50-50 as well. But the time comes up for contract negotiations and renewal, and it's one of those situations where we would absolutely shoot the bed and throw our toys out of the pram. If even if we don't want Marcus Rashford, if he goes for free, we think what on earth the club is doing? Well, why haven't we tied him down to a contract? So, in the, with that situation, thank you. Thank you. And uh, with that situation, would you still potentially think, okay, it's, we don't want the footballer, however, in regards to the asset, let's give him a contract now. But those people who are saying get rid of the footballer will then cry that you give him a contract, even though it might be a necessity in regards to selling him in two or three years' time. So it's a weird situation. Like What would you actually do? Let's say you're not sold on Rashford. Would you still give him the contract, which would cause absolute outrage?
1: I would trigger the one-year extension option, and that, that's pure, that's the one thing I will credit that we've done well under the Woodward regime. I agree with the one-year option because it does give United an op- gives United the flexibility to almost say, you know what, there is some value here. We've got one year left on a deal. So then that gives Rashford the rest of the year to perform. But it's a clear message to him that says... Does
0: it also give Rashford, though, the sort of... The ammunition uh, to the, perform? The, 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 well, no, the, almost the opposite. The affordability to coast for another year. And then if he doesn't get his move, the uh, is unable to sell him because there's no interest, he can go on a free transfer. But we where should,
1: does he go? That, that's the problem. If you're not he, performing he, he, at United for two years consecutive, he, where he, does he go?
0: He's still got the ability... And Okay, we'll question it. He's does still he, still. For, well, the, what ability? Like for, ability for the, the, at what
1: level? Is he an Mbappe level? Is he a Harlan level? Well, he's not. He's not. Well, those he, can, two he, can, he
0: can still go to then Fifteen of the other Premier League clubs. But like he's still going to top money. In the we'll Premier answer League.
1: this question to me: If you were selling Marcus Rashford today, what sort of pre- what, what clubs do you think would be in for Marcus Rashford? I could say like a Leicester City. I could see that he's a natural on, replacement for Jamie Vardy.
0: No, no, I think. Look, I know this isn't the case. I know we're not bashed on Marcus Rashford, but it sounds like, and I hate every discussion I have around Rashford, sounds like I can criticise. Newcastle not, would be all over that. Newcastle, yeah. Newcastle is a yeah. club. You said Leicester City. I think that was, I wouldn't say disrespectful, but yeah, it's a little bit disrespectful to say Leicester. I think the ideal situation for both player and club is Newcastle United. Now, that's not to say I want him to go to Newcastle. As I said, I'd love him to go on to be a club legend at Manchester United. But you say in terms of which clubs, I agree in regards to the European's elite, winning the Champions League. Marcus Rashford maybe is not an on anyone's radar. But to say no one really wants him, I think there are clubs and not Newcastle who look a potential rival in a couple of years. Yeah. If they want Marcus Rashford, I think that shows that there is value. There is an asset there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's a really valid point. Um, look, Newcastle are on the up and up. but we, we obviously aren't a Newcastle United channel, so we don't really cover them too much in terms of our content. But can we say that their transfer window... Really, really astute signings. Uh, I didn't feel they spent too much money in the summer, but I thought every dollar they did spend was wise. Obviously, the, gen, the January transfer window um, in 2022 was quite impressive, but I thought the signing of Isaac, the striker, uh, Swedish... I, I, I'm mixed on
0: him. I'm not saying he's a he might be brilliant. I just haven't seen too much of I always hear the name, and I know he's a FIFA name, so he might be brilliant. I, he just, is ha- good. I just haven't I've seen too much of him.
1: He is good. I like him. I mean, he's, he's a big striker. He's technically sound... He's probably the best you can get if you're talking about the bracket below well class. Um, I would actually say he's a more well-rounded striker than Marcus Rashford is. Um, on Rushford though, I just I look at his form. He he looks physically good. Mentally, he looks held back. I think that he looks the way I see him play at the moment, even against Arsenal. And I know he got Player of the Month last month. And I just wonder, did that award almost cloud over what's been okay? He's been ordinary, he's been solid. Uh, nothing brilliant. Let me remind you of Marcus Rashford at his peak. Uh, when Solskjaer first came in, I think it was against Bournemouth, Nathan Ake, who he came up against on the weekend, he, he had Nathan Ake staring at the East stands while Rashford was in on goal, producing a world-class assist for Paul Pogba. Rashford has the ability to beat a man. He's got, the, he's got all the skills so, and that showed you need good technical ability, you need to have confidence, you need to be able to have the pace and the durability to do all of those things. I haven't seen that Marcus Rashford for more than 18 months now and I just wonder at what point does confidence become your permanent form, your permanent ability? Well, no, well, we've
0: had that discussion for a while now, and it's sad because obviously we do wish them sort of still hope for the best with Marcus Rashford. But if we're having this discussion for three or four years, I think, well, we'll be like the Paul Pogba thing. If Paul Pogba's making the same mistakes uh, at 26 years old that he was at 18 years old, or Scholes is right, at saying, well, he's going to be making those mistakes at 35 years old. So Marcus Rashford, he's
1: 24
0: now. Yes, yeah, so, and, and look, he's still very young in my opinion. Now he's obviously a very experienced professional in regards to how many games he's played. So, how do you weigh up or what's more experienced professional in terms of, is it games played or is it age? I think it is a little bit of both, but age-wise, obviously still very young. Mm. It'll be interesting how his body plays out. Obviously, Wayne Rooney had a lot of games at a young age, obviously petered out, but obviously you look at the other end of the scale. Cristiano Ronaldo had a lot of games, and he's still fighting strong at 38 years old. So, I think Ronaldo's older than Wayne Rooney, isn't he? Uh, by
1: a couple of months, same there. year.
0: Have you seen a photo of the two of them together? Yeah, but well, I think... Well, yeah, not, uh, not to criticise really, no, Rooney, I, I love it. Hey, he's death. retired, <laughs> they may
1: enjoy it, you know, but um, I think the, the, body, the body shape comes in it, and look, Rooney enjoyed a pie, I think, is fair to say, and he yeah. also enjoyed a drink. Ronaldo... But that's where I put Marcus Rashford more on the... Again, not to be critical of Rooney, but Rashid more on the
0: professional side of things where... Okay, he is playing a lot of games, but he will take care of his body. Yeah,
1: I think he enjoys a drink, um, but you know, nothing reckless. You don't see Rashford in the papers for the wrong reasons. And uh, he's also got the body type that if he looks to evolve his game. He's he's got a Ryan Giggs body. Absolutely, yeah, like a Ronaldo, like that tall, slender body type. And it's interesting, if I was Marcus Rashford now, let's talk about his position. Because if you got an eye casted to the future, you know, like your pace will be there till you're about 31, 32 but your pace goes at some point and uh, I think he we say he has the ability but I, I don't think he has the pure creativity to is, be is a player Is
0: that his move then? I'm not saying he has moved or he's eyeing on the move but if you believe reports he has suggested to go to through the middle for Eric Ten Hag is this potentially off, potentially one or two injuries obviously, he's not old but I wouldn't say get on with his career but he's sort of in the second stage of his career in terms of one or two potential injuries, which I'm not saying he's lost a yard of pace, but could potentially in a year or two lose a touch, um, a yard of pace. Could he be iron if you'd just think, OK, hang on, oh, it was a young, tricky winger um, when I burst through. Maybe it's trying to change my game and maybe it's not suited to a wide position. Maybe it is suited to a central position.
1: It's, it's very possible. Um, but, I mean, look at what we've seen already this season. He, he's very much a get-in-behind kind of striker. I haven't seen nothing in his game to say he can play back to goal. Um, while he's, his frame's definitely uh, improved over the years He still doesn't have the body type for me To confidently hold off defenders in the Premier League So just look at Erling Haaland for example like, I, And I know he's a robot So we really shouldn't compare him Have you seen the uh, petition by the way Of Erling Haaland to get him deported from England it has got over a million signatures <laughs> because uh, it's like ban Erling, deport Erling Haaland for being a robot, playing professional sport. What do you make of, we'll come back to the Marcus Rusher
0: discussion in a little bit. And obviously this is a sort of a throwback to the original podcast where we'll just sort of sort of throw up sort of anything. But you bring up Haaland there, and obviously this is recorded a few hours before the Ammonia podcast. So fingers crossed, uh, Marcus Rusher goes and scores four goals and channels he's in Erling Haaland. But it's obviously a few hours after Erling Haaland continues to score, and I think he scored a double again in the Champions League against Copenhagen. And he just doesn't stop scoring. Now we sit here and say, "There'll come a time he'll stop scoring." Okay, he'll have a few sort of sort of rough patches throughout the season. He might not. He might just continue scoring. Well, I'm just thinking, oh, what, what do you make of him? Why, what we criticise in regards to, that? okay, he's not the greatest of footballers, but that doesn't matter because he scores goals. So, just what have you made of this start? Like, is that everyone all saying oh, we've never seen anything like this before? Like, is that true, or we've we been overreaction? Or if we actually look at the facts, I think it might be right.
1: We've never seen this before. His movement is absolutely brilliant. I don't even think it's the movement. I don't, I don't know what it is. There might be movement. No, I, I it just is. Don't know. It definitely is. If you look at the goal he scored, where he got down the back of Varane, uh, he doesn't. He starts on Varane's inside shoulder. It's only when Zebron releases that he then goes on the outside shoulder. So th- there's a few things there. There's synergy. Um, I think playing in this Manchester City team though is a massive advantage. Let me put this question to you: If you put Anthony Martial as the number nine for Manchester City. Cristiano Ronaldo, he's not playing. Let's use Ronaldo. If we put Ronaldo as number nine for Manchester City right now, how many goals do you think he has so far this season? How many does Haaland have? Ronaldo. No, how many does Haaland have for City? Now? Uh,
0: I'm not too sure. So you say he's got 15 or 16 goals, or I think all competitions. Uh, so Salah already, does he? Haaland. Oh, Haaland. I'd say he's around that. Maybe not, Does some correct me in the comments. I but think he's got 17. He's got 17 yeah, goals okay. this season. So I mean. so, no, so- he
1: just scored this morning, so he's got more than
0: that. Okay, he's, he's, he's touched on 20 goals already, which is absolutely crazy. Let, let's say he's got 15 to 20 goals this season. If I threw Cristiano Ronaldo in, a fit Cristiano Ronaldo um, this season, had a full pre season, ready to go, 10, which at this stage of the season is unbelievable. Oh, for sure. So, because I, I think I've looked back a lot of Haaland's goals and not to be critical I think one of my favourite not one of them, my absolute favourite strike of all time at Manchester was Ruud van Nistrooy is one of those ones he got a lot of criticism from rivals saying oh, he's only scoring tap-ins well if he's only scoring tap-ins someone should mark him so that point you make in regards to movement with Erling Haaland I can't be critical to say when he does score a tap-in however I have watched a lot of the goals a lot of the goals have just bounced off him like balls have hit the post and have come back to an open goal sort of thing and he, full credit to him for being in there and taking that opportunity that he hasn't sort of... He's not dribbled past six, seven players and put into in the top corner. Nor that no, 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 he doesn't need to do that. But that's where I'll say Cristiano Ronaldo. mentioned, He might not be as good. Obviously, he's not as good as Erling Haaland at the moment. But he would score goals in this city team.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then this is the thing. I think we need to be very careful about putting Haaland as best in the world. I've, I've already seen it this morning, the comparisons between Mbappe and Haaland. I'm going to say an Mbappe has all the ability to be the best player in the world, far beyond Haaland. But Haaland is just a pure goal scorer. And, uh, but I think he needs to add more bows to his game if he wants to be considered one of the elites of all time. I think, it, like you say, he's, he's benefiting from the, being in the Manchester City squad. I think when he left Dortmund, did he finish with more goals than games with Dortmund? Haaland. I'm not sure what the if situation is. it was is very then. close.
0: Oh, you, know, you just have to look at his Champions League goal scoring record and that is potentially where some of the people... He's still- already
1: surpassed Luis Suarez, which is insane. <laughs>
0: Well, people will, and people will use this as a stick to beat Cristiano Ronaldo with in terms of his selfishness and his ambitions in regards to he values his goals and his trophies over his team's goals and trophies, and that, that's another, a debate for another day. But in regards to Cristiano Ronaldo's happiness at Old Trafford at the moment, that's something, OK, he's not playing Champions League football, he's not scoring goals, he's seen Lionel Messi go and do it in the Champions League for PSG, so that is potentially where some of his sort of unhappiness comes from. Start looking over town. I remember Cristiano Ronaldo arrived the year David Beckham left. It was uh, 2003. Ronaldo didn't score a Champions League goal until a 7-1 win against Roma. Ronaldo went three or four seasons without scoring in the Champions League. Erling Haaland is already scoring he's already 30-something goals in the Champions League. Yeah. Ronaldo's goal-scoring record is in big trouble. Big trouble. And, and look, maybe in 10 years' time, 15 years' time, that he has not, not has to start looking at Haaland. Ronaldo will look back with pure fondness at his career when he retires. But in terms of you mentioned those numbers with Erlen Haaland, he's going to be a Champions League record goal scorer oh, yeah. without doubt. Yeah.
1: If he doesn't have any major injury or any incapacity in terms of his ability um, from a long term injury, he'll definitely break it. He's just a freak. But the problem, well, not the problem, again, I will come back to though, he's a pure goal scorer. So I think if he plays in a lesser side, cause if you if you listen to anyone around the Haaland camp, Manchester City isn't the end destination. There's an ambition to play for Real Madrid one day. And if I look at how Real Madrid play... Hopefully it comes in January. <laughs> if you look at how Real Madrid have played traditionally, they're not going to play like that tiki-taka Manchester City style. I, I, I think there will be a dip-off in his career at some point. But the, mind you, the dip-off might be 40 goals a season, as opposed to the 50 or 60 he might end up with this season.
0: You mentioned a little bit earlier in regards to okay, best player in the world or that elite bracket of uh, footballer. Who's the best player in the world at the moment because you go back to that Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville debate in regards to no one grows up wanting to be Gary Neville okay no one wants to be a right back when you play football your first instinct of playing football is kick it towards the goal the idea of playing football is to score a goal so how, what do we value as the best footballer and world? Well, someone who can play pick a pass and sort of dictate play or someone who does what sort of did what we sort of started playing football for millions around the world is to kick the ball in the goal ultimately that should be the best player so at the moment is there a case I think it's Kevin De Bruyne. People have maybe different opinions, but all things considered, is Erling Haaland actually the best player in the world at the moment?
1: No, I think he's the best goal scorer in the world, Uh, but I don't think he's the best player in the world. I mean, I'll go as far as to say I don't think he's the best striker in the world. I think Robert Lewandowski rightfully holds that mantra. Um, I, I would also say... Let's not forget what Karim Benzema's done yeah. um, over the last few years, particularly in the Champions League, particularly in La Liga. He's had a late, had a late career surge, Karim Benzema. And mind you, I think he's one I, of I those... don't think he
0: really has. I think he's always been doing this. Yeah. He's, he's come out of the shadows. That's
1: the thing. I think I want to caveat that a little bit with he... Kind of what Rooney did at United, he withdrew himself to the betterment of the team to allow someone like Ronaldo to be the star. And I think Benzema did a lot of that at Real Madrid. But what you're seeing from Benzema outside of Ronaldo's shadow is he's become the main man. Um, I almost want to say there's a resurgence of number nines going around. There was a period there for maybe the 2010s to the 2020 mark where the left winger was the the superstar of the team. Uh, I think we're now seeing a resurgence of the number nine and the wingers rightfully or wrongfully taking a bit more of a, a back step or a supporting Supporting role. So bringing that back to, which look, I completely agree, but bringing that back into Manchester
0: United things in terms of Marcus Rashford's future, Cristiano Ronaldo's future is obviously away from Old Trafford, over whether that be in the next three months or within the next year, who knows. But in regards to obviously, Rashford aside, if he stays inside the new contract or not, Man United are going to have to buy a strike, and they will have a discussion before we sort of start a recording. In regards, to, like, in regards to Blazes' out movement and potential financial sort of restrictions, not restrictions, but financial issues and to challenges the club will face over the next year or so. We've just spent $100 million on Casemiro or $100 million on Anthony, $60 million on Casemiro. Big money elsewhere. It was a 50-something million on Lissandro Martinez, etc. Richard Arnold came out before the season and said, OK, we'll back the manager this year and there'll be big investment in, in the squad, but that might make things hard in a year or two's time. We need a striker. A striker's gotta cost minimum. I don't I'd be scared to think minimum seventy six seventy, eighty million in terms of getting the proper goal goal scorer in. It can Manchester United find that striker? That number nine you're talking about?
1: Oh it depends how much money is available to spend. Um I think they can. Look, a part of this is me being blindsided, naive, and you already know what I'm gonna say. Uh I genuinely believe Martial can still be that guy. I really do. I just he's he's he is the one player... I know the way people talk about Rashford having all the ability in the world. He doesn't have all the ability in the world. Martial has all the but ability in the
0: isn't world. He is in the Rashford. Not, not, this is not the same ability discussion. But in regards to Rashford and Martial, we're having different debates around the two. But we're having the debates around the two for the same amount of time. So whether we're discussing uh, Marcus Rashford's ability or what position, we're having that debate for five, six years. Anthony Martial, we're having the debate about our consistency and injury record. So if we're going to continue to have the same discussion about Paul Paul, Pogba making the same mistakes, we're going to have those discussions about Paul Paul, Pogba making mistakes in the future. So with Anthony Marshall, I agree in regards to ability, but all the other potential issues around him, are we not just going to be having the same discussion with those in five years' time?
1: Well, I think both of these players, and this is where I feel a little bit sorry for Rashford and Marshall. and who am I to feel sorry for multi-millionaires for kicking a ball around, getting to fly first class all around the world. But what I will say is both of them have suffered from a lack of coaching, um, and, and not because the coaches haven't put the time into them, but, but because they've had a new manager every 18 months on average, you know. So I think that that really does impact a player's development, particularly over those crucial years. I mean, look at Marcus Rashford. I think, and, I think that's
0: the thing. is it's better though. He, they need to develop into what we need. They needed that coaching at 20 years old, not at 25 years old.
1: Yeah, I agree. But I also think, you know, when you're playing for Manchester United, you should have the technical ability. So the rest should just be supplemented by coaching and a bit of your own self-discipline, your own desire, your own work into your game. Um, If I look at just... I know it's been a small sample size, but look at what Martial's done in pre-season. Look at what he's done um, so far this season. His goals outweigh his games. Of course, I'm talking about a very small sample size here. But every time he's come on, he looks like the... Remove the names, remove the history, remove the newspaper articles, everything. Martial comes on, you got eleven players on the pitch, one striker came on for another striker. Who was the best player on the pitch on the weekend? For Manchester United. Yeah,
0: no, well, obviously see the two goals. That's and, what I'm saying. And, uh, they you look at
1: Like we were saying the other night around Anthony's strike not getting the respect, look at Anthony Martial's penalty. Can't <laughs> save it. You can't save it
0: that was a nice penalty what do you think of that in regards to not trying to steer too far away from this striker discussion but obviously here we are sort of back at the original pubcast ideas will sort of pop up as they come up in conversation Bruno Fernandes obviously never short of the um, headline he didn't take the penalty now I think it was a case of well Martial scored a goal He's on here again. He, he sort of, did Martial win the penalty? Yeah. yeah. Martial won the piece there. And I think it was a case of, not to be over praiseworthy Bruno Fernandes, but I think it was a case of. Good captain. Yeah, have another, have another goal, sort of thing. Because if Ronaldo was on the pitch, Ronaldo would have likely have taken that. Bruno Fernandes could have taken the or taken the responsibility and taken it, whether he was scored or not, who knows in his current form. But I think that was a. Again, not to say what a fucking captain, because we've had to sort of. So the issues around um, potential Bruno Fernandes captaincy, but I thought that was something that he did well for Anthony Marshall. Now, obviously, they had a sort of a close relationship. So, whether if it was Harry Maguire taking a penalty, would Bruno have said, "No, I'll take this?" Sir? I'd
1: support Maguire to take a penalty, <laughs> given what he did for England a couple of years ago. Um, but yeah, I, I like that. I like that from Bruno. Because the game was a, it was a nothing thing. If M- Marshall missed it, Bruno missed it. They well, and well, scored it. Let me make this point to you. And when we were having the striker debate a couple of weeks ago, one point that I didn't leave, that I did leave out. Ronaldo scored 18 goals in the Premier League last season. Martial got 23 goals, 17 goals in the Premier League. I think one of those were a pen, one of them was a penalty. All of those were goals from open play. So if you've got the if he had penalties that year, and people always say, oh, Rashford had a similar goal return. Well, Rashford was our penalty taker. So if you put Martial in charge of penalties in the 1920 season, how many goals does he finish with? I think it's and look it's correct in regards to weighing up those goals and how many were penalties and it's always
0: a good discussion but I, I always not I know you're not being critical of it but in regards to I always find it hard well if the penalty wasn't given with the team that scored anyway but it's one of those things the penalty it's part of the game it's a, it's a shot from 12 yards it's not easy to take a penalty You yeah, know, I fully understand it but sometimes in regards to sort of to boot races they criticise it or hang on those goals shouldn't count because they're only penalties but I think that at the end of the day well if the penalty wasn't given we're playing football for a reason there are rules it's, 17 goals of Anthony Martial might, might have come from an incorrect throw-in decision that gave Man United the right exactly. throw-in. So it's a penalty. Man United, or the, the player, needs to score it. So um, it's one of those. See, I have no idea what will happen in regards to this situation with Marcus Rashford, Eric Ten Hag, Anthony Martial's future. Obviously, the big elephant in the room is the man we're discussing, Cristiano Ronaldo, what is going to happen with him. Um, no, why? is old news now. It's about Ronaldo. Well, I was discussing with Emad earlier. Obviously, a lot yeah. of people in the, um, the chat will know. Emad, in regards to Harry Maguire, we'll just discuss it throughout the Manchester derby. we are sort of tuned off from the match and we'll chat to each other. Thank the lucky stars Harry Maguire wasn't on that pitch. Oh my
1: gosh, yeah. Can I say, though, look, that was Lissandro Martinez-West. Can I say, I actually don't think. I was thinking about this yesterday. Well, Did actually, our defenders have a bad game? Even in our in a, Even in our big losses this season, our
0: defenders weren't. It was other factors. The Brighton game, I think we gave it in our 3 2 1s. I think Martinez and Harry Maguire both got points. And I think in the Brentford match, if you isolated the goals, I think there was only one you sort of really looked at the sort of two central defenders. So, and after that, the season obviously turned in all positive. I think the defenders, while we sort of have perceptions and narratives around a lot of them, individually they haven't actually been too bad this season. Uh,
1: look, the City game, I thought our full backs were atrocious. But, yeah, okay, yeah. But I agree, I don't think the centre backs were bad. Yeah. I think. United it's the same it's funny you know even against City um, United conceded goals the way they did against Brentford there's clearly a systemic issue that they need to mar- that they need to master with the attack to midfield to defence and the gaps that they all leave let's remember Manchester City are a possession based side how many counter attacking goals did they well, score you, you,
0: we talk about defence and we look, at, we look at the back four or we look at spaces between midfield and defence or we look at the goalkeeper or we look at how the other teams attacking so many of our I feel whether you call it offensive lapses or defensive mistakes or whatever results in a goal for um, the opposition, and I use opposition, I talk about six goals against Manchester City. It's come from where we have the ball. It's our attacking issues that have caused the goals in terms of potentially losing the ball in stupid areas in that transition. And Manchester City in transition, I don't even think it's a case of Manchester City in transition. I think it's just a case of good players when they get the ball in transition can hurt you. And Man United, whether it's not reacting um, proactively enough in regards to when we do lose the ball or the actual stopping the problem at its issue and don't lose the ball in the first place.
1: Yeah, the City game was really interesting. I really don't want to dissect it too much and I didn't when we did our review intentionally because if you look at the way United gave the ball away, that wasn't anything tactically that Manchester City did brilliantly. United just looked nervous on the ball. It was almost like they... You know how people used to come to Old Trafford and lose the game before the whistle even blew? United lost that game before Before, the whistle blew. I completely agree. And look, I've been on football
0: fields as well where I feel inferior to the opposition. And when that happens, and it's a natural thing, but when it does happen, there is no coming back from it. Because ultimately, you think, of what on earth is? What can I do? What on earth can I do? And it's one of those things you're completely right in regards. To saying Manchester United had that effect, and now, unfortunately, it's Manchester City. But what I would say, we're critical of our players, we're critical of Rashford, we're critical of Bruno Fernandes or McTominay for having that feeling or Harry Maguire having that feeling going onto the field and seeing what's in front of them from Manchester City and thinking I'm not as good as these. And we sit here as Man United fans and say that shouldn't be the case. That's not the mentality or attitude as a Man United player. You have to be better than that. However. It's a natural thing. It's something... Of course. Roy Keane went on the field against some of the Barcelona players at one stage. I think it was back in... Was it the 93, 94 game? I forget if he played in that. But he's talked about playing against the likes of Zinedine Zidane. Now, ultimately, Roy Keane had one of his greatest performances against Zinedine Zidane. But in games like that, Roy Keane has said, what on earth am I doing on the field with this guy? He's ten times better than me. But our players now are having that same feeling. And we are critical. And I feel we are right to a degree to be critical of that. But ultimately... We do look where Europe's elite and England's elite have been over the last 10 years, where Manchester United have been. It's right we're not as good, and the players are natural, they're human, they understand that. So are we right to be critical of them, or should we just not afford them some leniency, but be a little bit more understanding, thinking, hang on, we're not as good as these teams. We're not critical when Man United roll over West Ham. We're not critical of West Ham. We're saying, "Okay, it's natural, Man United should beat West Ham. When Manchester United roll up to Manchester City, if we're using the same logic, we should say, yeah, Manchester City should roll Man United.
1: Yeah, but I, I think when it depends on the caliber of club, the caliber of players. I think player for player, if you look at the City side that started, with all due respect, I think you could make an argument for United's defenders being better than Manchester City's. Not in the fullback area. I think Carl Walker and Cancelo are better than anything we have. But if you look at who started that game, it was Ake and um, the, the new ladder Kenji. Kenji. I think there's a case to say Martinez and Varane start over those two centre backs. I think there's an argument. I mean, Edison is a good goal, ball-playing goalkeeper, but in pure shot-stopping, you can make an argument for David de Gea. So I think that you know, and again, when I look at w- where they are superior, yes, man for man, they are superior than United. But we've gone to the, the Adi Had before, under as as recently as Oligana Solskjaer, but, but, And but, got but another what result. happens
0: after that first five minutes when City are on and the, the opposition, where he's sitting here, is made United's midfield. You're Bruno Fernandes. I'm Scott Tomane here, and we see what Manchester City are doing. It's a natural, yes, you need to sort of man up and get on with it and sort of make things tough, but ultimately when you see a a team who's superior playing at their best, there is, unfortunately, people don't like to this, but there's unfortunately nothing you can do unless you go and kick them and run the risk of getting sent off there's nothing you can do when a great team but why didn't we
1: kick him like that's the thing I just there was no fight in the United side like Ten Hag said there was a lack of belief the example you used with Roy Keane Roy Keane said that but Roy Keane speaks in that demeanour in general but I never saw Roy Keane scared on the football pitch he might have thought this player is better than me I don't deserve to be here but he he relished that challenge and I think that's the difference I think the current United squad don't relish the challenge I think they look at the opposition they psych themselves out before they've even run out onto the pitch and they lost that game before the whistle blew I mean I I think, was it Sancho? Sancho had the ball on the left early, in the early exchanges. He's got a brilliant first touch. He's one of the best technical footballers in world yeah, football. it
0: was that one. Yeah, It was a 50, not a 50-50, but the ball came to him and he hesitated and it sort of had a bit of a Lukaku touch. That's the opposition. Uh, That's yeah. the
1: opposition playing into his mind. Yeah. Rashford, the ball came into him in the first half. I felt his first touch here in Sydney, Tom. Yeah. Rashford's a better footballer than that. But that, again, he slacked himself out of the game. Bruno, and you know, I've seen people be critical of Bruno in the Manchester City game. I agree with those criticisms. I don't think it was good. But he wasn't—he rec- wasn't one of recklessly giving the ball away in that game. He actually put in a good ball for Sancho. Sancho's miscontrol in that first half. It, it was actually—I actually put the criticism at Scott McTominay. At Chris- Ericsson got marked out of the game. Credit to Manchester City there. They looked at him as. He's the creative outlet from deep. We shut him down. Oh, no, it,
0: it's one of and those, that's it, where
1: City tactically did get it right.
0: Yeah, I think that's the thing. We're not in the business of praising Manchester City, which last 10 minutes probably does very much sound like that. But it is one of those things. If that's Manchester United singling out Thiago Alcantara from Liverpool, we're saying what a great job by Eric Ten Hag and the players by singling out that threat. Um, obviously, our big threat is Christian well, not our threat, but our, sort of the way we play is Christian Let's also Krishna look Ericsson.
1: at this about the City game. They scored their second goal by Haaland bullying Eriksen. The run wasn't on the pitch. You could make an argument to say, actually the the game shouldn't have been carried on at that point, because we were a man down at a set piece. And a big man down at a set piece. No, that's, their, their big no, man got a free run at a five foot nine player. Ten Hag's not stupid no. enough to do that, but it ended up that way because there are other threats no. on the pitch. No, that, that's if Iran a... was on, does Haaland score that goal? He's not. He's not lethal in the air. In Look, I, I understand your
0: thinking, but no, that that's a football thing. You, you can never be outnumbered unless you have seven players on the field. True red cards. You can never be outnumbered when you're defending a corner because the, the opposition has defenders but you're on our half. They are
1: strengths, and I don't think if Iran was on the pitch and for Ten Hag. He did mention it in his post-match, Varane was his man for Haaland. Uh, the fact he wasn't there, I don't yeah, I think yeah, if, got a free if run. If the ball goes then. up,
0: yes, potentially a free run, but Haaland can still beat Varane to a header, and then we're still having the same debate. I, I understand what you're
1: thinking, but those are games. I think we're discussing not changing the rules again, but that's like the... I think uh, on another day, I, I look, I think City are a good team. I think they're the strongest team in the league, and they should run away with the league, and be favourites for the Champions League. But I bloody
0: I, hope they do, because I, I still much prefer them to win it over Liverpool.
1: At what point though do we look at Manchester City and say actually they're a threat to United's legacy? Because they are. I mean, how many Premier Leagues have they won already? Well, Is it six? They,
0: this would be if they win this one. This will be three in a row, which
1: obviously United are the only club to win three in a row. And they'll win it. They will win it this year. I can't see another club catching. I'll, I'll them. take City's three in a row over Liverpool's twentieth. Yeah, I would too But at what point do we stop saying yeah, well, Alright, we're happy for City to win Yep, yep, I'll yep. tell you when I, stop, when I start taking Obviously I'm
0: taking note of Manchester City Obviously when it, it does become an issue for me And it's obviously time we had this discussion When Liverpool and City were going neck and neck In regards to what we prefer Where I start to sort of really worry Or it starts to really affect me Is the Champions League for City That is where that, That's something we definitely have over them Because if, be, if they get
1: one They're only two behind You know no, what I mean? But so. Chelsea's only one behind us it sneaks up quickly. That, it's funny, you look at United's luxurious history and uh, you could say they've fallen short in Europe a couple of times. Unfortunately, we know the story of the Busby Babes. I dare say if those players stuck around. Yeah. Just given the age profile, you would have thought they would have secured a few of Well, if, if
0: you look at Real Madrid's, I don't know how many. they got 13 now? Yeah. Uh, thirteen. Five of those came in a row. And I think that, that is... Well, throughout but, that period. That is potentially, yeah, throughout, throughout that period. So potentially late 50s, early 60s, obviously made you know, one in 68. That period from 58 to 68 let's say that Manchester United team survived that crash, you're thinking, I'm not going to say they're going to win 10 Champions Leagues in a row, but if Real Madrid won five in a row and Manchester United were regarded as the best team in the world at that stage, you could easily make a case United win five in that decade.
1: Definitely. And then but we're uh, having a
0: different discussion now. We're not on three, we're on eight, we're on nine.
1: Yeah, that's a valid point. But on five in a row, time it is 5pm and uh, the bistro is open. So I think it's time for us to go get some food. No, definitely. Well, that
0: was the um, reasoning behind this podcast. We're here a little bit early, um, back in that old stomping ground at the pub. We had um, a bit of time to kill, so we thought we'd give um, all our listeners um, a little bit of extra content. Um, If you are listening on this podcast app and you aren't subscribed on YouTube, please head over to our YouTube channel and make sure you are subscribed. Plenty of content out there, but um, if you do prefer these audio-only episodes and especially a bit of a return to the pub ambience, um, make sure you are subscribed on your podcast app. That is very much appreciated. Larry, I see the lady turning the sign on the kitchen. It still says closed, but I'm sure they're getting ready to... um, open it up just for us anything else manchester united related that we have sort of missed in this bit of a casual chat what do you think luke
1: shaw would order on this menu
0: um i see hot food only so i don't see any donuts Uh, nutella
1: strawberries and icing sugar pizza
0: i don't know where you've spotted that but yeah that's right there on the
1: pizza
0: nutella on a pizza that is something i could see. look i understand it is criminal i understand that but however it is something i could very well see luke shaw sort of tucking into yeah absolutely here enough of us fat and Luke Shaw. Look at us go back to have another beer and another pizza at the pub and Luke Shaw is <laughs> fighting fit and earning hundreds of thousands of dollars a week. Fair play to him. But um, until then, hope everyone has a good end to their day and uh, we'll chat to you when we chat to you. Cheers. Cheers.